Part two, chapter five of A Key to Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter five protective acts of south carolina and louisiana the iron collar of louisiana and north carolina thus far by way of considering the protective acts of north carolina georgia and tennessee certain miscellaneous protective acts of various other states will now be cited merely as specimens of the spirit of legislation stroud page thirty nine two brevard's digest page two forty one in south carolina the act of seventeen forty punished the willful deliberate murder of a slave by disfranchisement and by a fine of seven hundred pounds current money or in default of payment imprisonment for seven years but the willful murder of a slave in the sense contemplated in this law is a crime which would not often occur the kind of murder which was most frequent among masters or overseers was guarded against by another section of the same act how adequately the reader will judge for himself from the following quotation stroud's sketch page forty point two brevard's digest two forty one james's digest three forty two if any person shall on a sudden heat or passion or by undue correction kill his own slave or the slave of any other person he shall forfeit the sum of three hundred and fifty pounds current money End quote. in eighteen twenty one the act punishing the wilful murder of a slave only with fine or imprisonment was mainly repealed and it was enacted that such crime should be punished by death but the latter section which relates to killing the slave in sudden heat or passion or by undue correction has been altered only by diminishing the pecuniary penalty to a fine of five hundred dollars authorizing also imprisonment for six months the next protective statute to be noticed is the following from the act of seventeen forty south carolina stroud page forty point two brevard's digest two forty one Quote, in case any person shall wilfully cut out the tongue put out the eye or cruelly scald burn or deprive any slave of any limb or member or shall inflict any other cruel punishment other than by whipping or beating with a horsewhip cowskin switch or small stick or by putting irons on or confining or imprisoning such slave every such person shall for every such offence forfeit the sum of one hundred pounds current money the language of this law like many other of these protective enactments is exceedingly suggestive the first suggestion that occurs is what sort of an institution and what sort of a state of society is it that called out a law worded like this laws are generally not made against practices that do not exist and exist with some degree of frequency the advocates of slavery are very fond of comparing it to the apprentice system of england and america let us suppose that in the british parliament or in a new england legislature the following law is proposed under the title of an act for the protection of apprentices and etc in case any person shall wilfully cut out the tongue 
put out the eye or cruelly scald burn or deprive any apprentice of any limb or member or shall inflict any other cruel punishment other than by whipping or beating with a horsewhip cowskin switch or small stick or by putting irons on or confining or imprisoning such apprentice every such person shall for every such offence forfeit the sum of one hundred pounds current money what a sensation such a proposed law would make in england may be best left for englishmen to say but in new england it would simply constitute the proposer a candidate for bedlam yet that such a statute is necessary in south carolina is evident enough if we reflect that because there is no such statute in virginia it has been decided that a wretch who perpetrates all these enormities on a slave cannot even be indicted for it unless the slave dies but let us look further what is to be the penalty when any of these fiendish things are done why the man forfeits a hundred pounds current money surely he ought to pay as much as that for doing so very unnecessary an act when the legislature bountifully allows him to inflict any torture which revengeful ingenuity could devise by means of horsewhip cowskin switch or small stick or putting irons on or confining and imprisoning one would surely think that there was sufficient scope and variety of legalized means of torture to satisfy any ordinary appetite for vengeance it would appear decidedly that any more piquant varieties of agony ought to be an extra charge the advocates of slavery are fond of comparing the situation of the slave with that of the english laborer we are not aware that the english laborer has been so unfortunate as to be protected by any enactment like this since the days of villianage stroud's sketch page forty one one march digest six fifty four judge stroud says that the same law substantially has been adopted in louisiana it is true that the civil code of louisiana thus expresses its humane intentions Quote, the slave is entirely subject to the will of his master who may correct and chastise him though not with unusual rigor nor so as to maim or mutilate him or to expose him to the danger of loss of life or to cause his death civil code of louisiana article one seventy three and quote the expression unusual rigor is suggestive again it will afford large latitude for a jury in states where slaves are in the habit of dying under moderate correction where outlawed slaves may be killed by any means which any person thinks fit and where laws have to be specifically made against scalding burning cutting out the tongue putting out the eye etc what will be thought unusual rigor this is a question certainly upon which persons in states not so constituted can have no means of forming an opinion in one of the newspaper extracts with which we prefaced our account the following protective act of louisiana is alluded to as being particularly satisfactory and efficient we give it as quoted by judge stroud in his sketch page fifty eight giving his reference Quote, no master shall be compelled to sell his slave but in one of two cases to wit the first when being only co-proprietor of the slave his co-proprietor demands the sale in order to make partition of the property 
second when the master shall be convicted of cruel treatment of his slave and the judge shall deem it proper to pronounce besides the penalty established for such cases that the slave shall be sold at public auction in order to place him out of the reach of the power which his master has abused civil code article one ninety two the question for a jury to determine in this case is what is cruel treatment of a slave now if all these barbarities which have been sanctioned by the legislative acts which we have quoted are not held to be cruel treatment the question is what is cruel treatment of a slave everything that fiendish barbarity could desire can be effected under the protection of the law of south carolina which as we have just shown exists also in louisiana it is true the law restrains from some particular forms of cruelty if any person has a mind to scald or burn his slave and it seems by the statute that there have been such people these statutes merely provide that he shall do it in decent privacy for as the very keystone of southern jurisprudence is the rejection of colored testimony such an outrage if perpetrated most deliberately in the presence of hundreds of slaves could not be proved upon the master it is to be supposed that the fiendish people whom such statutes have in view will generally have enough of common sense not to perform it in the presence of white witnesses since this simple act of prudence will render them entirely safe in doing whatever they have a mind to we are told it is true as we have been reminded by our friend in the newspaper before quoted that in louisiana the deficiency caused by the rejection of negro testimony is supplied by the following most remarkable provision of the code noir quote, if any slave be mutilated beaten or ill-treated contrary to the true intent and meaning of this section when no one shall be present in such case the owner or other person having the management of said slave thus mutilated shall be deemed responsible and guilty of the said offence and shall be prosecuted without further evidence unless the said owner or other person so aforesaid can prove the contrary by means of good and sufficient evidence or can clear himself by his own oath which said oath every court under the cognizance of which such offence shall have been examined and tried is by this act authorized to administer code noir crimes and offences fifty six seventeen revised statutes eighteen fifty two page five fifty section one forty one would one have supposed that sensible people could ever publish as a law such a specimen of utter legislative nonsense so ridiculous on the very face of it the object is to bring to justice those fiendish people who burn scald mutilate etc how is this done why it is enacted that the fact of finding the slave in this condition shall be held presumption against the owner or overseer unless unless what why unless he will prove to the contrary or swear to the contrary it is no matter which either will answer the purpose the question is if a man is bad enough to do these things will he not be bad enough to swear falsely as if men who are the incarnation of cruelty as supposed by the deeds in question would not have sufficient intrepidity of conscience to compass a false oath what was this law ever made for can anyone imagine? 
upon this whole subject we may quote the language of judge stroud who thus sums up the whole amount of the protective laws for the slaves in the united states of america quote, upon a fair review of what has been written on the subject of this proposition the result is found to be that the master's power to inflict corporal punishment to any extent short of life and limb is fully sanctioned by law in all the slaveholding states that the master in at least two states is expressly protected in using the horsewhip and cowskin as instruments for beating his slave that he may with entire impunity in the same states load his slave with irons or subject him to perpetual imprisonment whenever he may so choose that for cruelly scalding wilfully cutting out the tongue putting out an eye and for any other dismemberment if proved a fine of one hundred pounds currency only is incurred in south carolina that though in all states the wilful deliberate and malicious murder of the slaves is now directed to be punished with death yet as in the case of the white offender where none except whites can give evidence a conviction can seldom if ever take place stroud's sketch page forty three one very singular antithesis of two laws of louisiana will still further show that deadness of public sentiment on cruelty to the slave is an inseparable attendant on the system it will be recollected that the remarkable protective law of south carolina with respect to scalding burning cutting out the tongue and putting out the eye of the slave has been substantially enacted in louisiana and that the penalty for a man doing these things there if he has not sense enough to do it privately is not more than five hundred dollars now compare this other statute of louisiana revised statute eighteen fifty two page five fifty two section one fifty one stroud page forty one Quote, if any person or persons etc shall cut or break any iron chain or collar which any master of slaves should have used in order to prevent the running away or escape of any such slave or slaves such person or persons so offending shall on conviction etc be fined not less than two hundred dollars nor exceeding one thousand dollars and suffer imprisonment for a term not exceeding two years nor less than six months act of assembly of march sixth eighteen nineteen pamphlet page sixty four some englishmen may naturally ask what is this iron collar which the legislature have thought worthy of being protected by a special act on this subject will be presented the testimony of an unimpeachable witness miss sarah m grimke a personal friend of the author miss grimke is a daughter of the late judge grimke of the supreme court of south carolina and sister of the late hon thomas s grimke she is now a member of the society of friends and resides in belleville new jersey the statement given is of a kind that its author did not mean to give nor wish to give and never would have given had it not been made necessary to illustrate this passage in the slave law the account occurs in a statement which miss grimke furnished to her brother-in-law mr weld and has been before the public ever since eighteen thirty nine in his work entitled slavery as it is page twenty two 
quote, a handsome mulatto woman about eighteen or twenty years of age whose independent spirit could not brook the degradation of slavery was in the habit of running away for this offence she had been repeatedly sent by her master and mistress to be whipped by the keeper of the charleston workhouse this had been done with such inhuman severity as to lacerate her back in a most shocking manner a finger could not be laid between the cuts but the love of liberty was too strong to be annihilated by torture and as a last resort she was whipped at several different times and kept a close prisoner a heavy iron collar with three long prongs projecting from it was placed round her neck and a strong and sound front tooth was extracted to serve as a mark to describe her in case of escape her sufferings at this time were agonizing she could lie in no position but on her back which was sore from scourgings as i can testify from personal inspection and her only place of rest was the floor on a blanket these outrages were committed in a family where the mistress daily read the scriptures and assembled her children for family worship she was accounted and was really so far as almsgiving was concerned a charitable woman and tender-hearted to the poor and yet this suffering slave who was the seamstress of the family was continually in her presence sitting in her chamber to sew or engaged in her other household work with her lacerated and bleeding back her mutilated mouth and heavy iron collar without so far as appeared exciting any feelings of compassion this iron collar the author has often heard of from sources equally authentic footnote the iron collar was also in vogue in north carolina as the following extract from the statute book will show the wearers of this article of apparel certainly have some reason to complain of the tyranny of fashion Quote, when the keeper of the said public jail shall by direction of such court as aforesaid let out any negro or run away to hire to any person or persons whomsoever the said keeper shall at the time of his delivery cause an iron collar to be put on the neck of such negro or runaway with the letters p g stamped thereon and thereafter the said keeper shall not be answerable for any escape of the said negro or runaway potter's revisal i one sixty two end of part two chapter five protective acts of south carolina and louisiana and the iron collar